0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spire. So for this episode, we're going to end up covering a couple things I wasn't able to cover last week because I ran out of time because the company showed up. That's the only thing with the podcasts and the videos. Sometimes it, real life actually interjects itself and makes it a little difficult to get them done. And sometimes it's just not in the cards. Luckily last week I was able to get it done and I was glad I was because I kind of got another streak going. We want to keep it going, but it was definitely a shorter episode to be sure. So first thing I want to talk about today, something different doesn't involve tarantulas, but it is Linotheli species. I've been obsessed with these spiders for quite some time now. They are not tarantulas. They are funnel webs. And I've seen them offered for sale at several places over the last few years and always piqued my interest because the first time I saw one, I thought it was a tarantula species. I looked at it, I was like, man, that one's gorgeous. And I read up on them and I'm like, nope, not a tarantula, but started, you know, taking notes and finding out about them and, and doing some of the research. And just the biggest thing, and I I try to explain this to people that I, a lot of folks ask why I don't branch out into other exotics. They want me to do care sheets on other things and, you know, other types of animals. I get a lot for, you know, mantids, uh, which I should be getting some mantids soon. That's something I've always wanted to dabble in. Uh, Scorpions, centipedes, like uh, number one, I'm just, tarantulas are my thing. That's, it's not that I don't like other animals. It's just, I'm comfortable in it. It's one of those deals with, you know, a thousand different species out there, maybe not a thousand in the pet trade, but a thousand in the world and counting if we don't end up destroying them before we can discover them all. But there's so many out there that I feel like I could spend the rest of my life keeping different species and never get bored of them. That's my thing. And I'm not one of those people, unfortunately, to go out and go, all right, I need to spice up my channel or my podcast by buying a bunch of new animals just so I can have something new to show off. It's just not my thing. So I do have some scorpions. I have some that I feel like I could do husbandry videos on or husbandry you know, articles or whatever on because I do feel confident in how I keep them. I have others that I feel like I kind of fumbled my way through it a bit and tried to apply too many rules of tarantulas to the scorpion. So I'm not going to go out there. Anything I put out there, somebody's going to go, oh, it's Tom. He knows about spiders. So this must be good information. And I just don't feel that way. Same thing with the centipedes. I have two centipedes, the Dahani's and I think I'm doing okay with them. I'm about to rehouse another one and get some footage of it, and that I feel comfortable with, but that's about as far as it would go. That doesn't mean I know how to keep the rest of the centipedes. There's a lot of different things. The fact that I did a video where I poured some water in to get the mites off the centipede and didn't know that the centipedes breathe through areas in their legs. And I was like, oh, look, the head's out of the water, so it's okay. That right there shows that I shouldn't be doing videos on centipedes. Now, since then, I was embarrassed by that, and have done a lot more research and spoken to more people, but it's not my forte. The tarantulas, I feel very comfortable with. As I, If I get some more animals, say I get some mantids, and I enjoy the mantids, and I start raising them up and do some once I feel like I've kept them long enough to to be able to talk about them, then I may do it. But I just feel like there are people out there right now that that's their thing. You should be going for information for them, not for me. So part of it's due to the fact that I just, even if I got some of these animals, you probably wouldn't hear too much about it because I'm not going to do care videos on it. The other part is I'm spoiled by the longevity of tarantulas. I have kept tarantulas now for years. The queen obviously just passed away I and mean, we've had her, for over, had her for 25 years. She was likely I'm guessing in her 40s, that's amazing. For pets, you know, we have dogs and we're constantly talking about the fact that we wish they would genetically engineer dogs to live longer. Right now, we have four dogs. Three of them are over 10 years old. Two of them are 15 and 13, going on 14, so it stinks when you get a pet and raise it and you love it and it ends up dying, you know, much too soon. And so one of the things I've, with the tarantulas is they live, the majority of them, you've got at least, if you get a female, you got at least, you know, eight to 10 years out of them in the very least. Some of them even longer. Some of these guys I'm going to have to will to my kids or maybe my grandkids. With true spiders, with mantids, with other animals, they don't live as long. And that's one of the things, it's a drawback to me. Again, not saying they're not amazing animals, but I like had the black widows that I absolutely adored. I love them, but we, you know, I got them as babies. We grew them up. They were adult females. They ate and then they died within like, it was like 18 months, not even they were dead. And that's kind of a bummer for me. So that's my reason for people that always ask. That's my reasoning for not branching out more. It's not that I don't like them. It's, and I have branched out. I have kept things that I haven't done any videos or anything about because as soon as I put a video up, somebody asked me how I keep them. And it's like, do not emulate me on this. I'm figuring this out for myself. I have a, it's very important to me that if I'm speaking about something, I know what I'm talking about and have the experience to back it up and keeping something, you know, buying something that's already, you know, in its fifth instar and growing it up a couple months, that doesn't necessarily mean I know what I'm doing. That's spider or that arachnid or that insect could not be doing great and it just it's growing so i'm like oh look at this is doing awesome i hopefully you understand what i'm saying here so that's one of the reasons why i don't do branch out into a lot of different stuff that's not my thing i love my tarantulas I love the scorpions that I have. I believe I will always have the Emperor scorpions in my collection because those were ones I got years ago, fell in love with them. I was able to breed them, raise them up. That's why those that's a species I feel confident talking about because I've done enough with them to hopefully back up that I know what I'm doing. But some of the other ones not so much. Some of the other I've had situations where I've kept one You know, I can't remember what species it was off the top of my head, but the information I read on it, I thought it had to be kept moist. I read something else, like it needed to be kept dry, and then I got to remember what it was like to first get into the tarantula hobby when you find the conflicting information and you're not sure which one you're reading is correct. So that isn't something I would do a video on because I struggled a bit with it. So... That's my background with that and why I don't branch out more. However, Linotheli species, the one thing that I originally read and will dispel this right off the bat was that they live 10 years. The females can live 10 years, which I was like, whoa, now you've got my attention because that's right up there with the tarantula. So now you've got a big, beautiful spider that can live up to 10 years. Count me in. Now, unfortunately, we're going to dispel that myth right off the bat. Four years for a female is about right, and I've read this from several people who have actually kept them before, and that that's more valuable information to me than somebody, you know, the rumor that they live up to 10 years. We have a lot of those in the hobbies. I don't know how these things get started. It it could be a situation, and I will say this because I've often thought about that, that in the wild, when there's not as much constant and consistent access to food, that they live longer. I could see that happening. It's like with snakes when you force when you feed snakes and feed them and, and you grow them up quickly for breeding them, that's been proven to take off years off their lives. If you feed them less frequently, you tend to get a snake that lives longer. Just generally speaking, it could be a situation like that where you're in when they're in the hobby, you have something you want to feed it, a lot of us feed them once a week, a lot of them feed, you know, even if you feed it a big meal once a month that might be more than it normally catches. Like if it were in the wild, that could mean that it molts more frequently, that it shortens the lifespan. That's it. We talked about it doesn't usually with tarantulas. I haven't seen a lot of evidence that it impacts, you know, feeding them more often impacts the longevity of females, but if you jack up the heat and you're feeding them more consistently, consistently, I have seen that males may mature out much more quickly than they would being fed less, that's something there, because the males, obviously their life cycle is shorter than the females, but with the Linotheli species, it sounds like four years for a female is about max, and that's a pretty good chunk of time, it's, it's the year that gets me, when I raise the animals and I look up and it's like within a year, you're going to have an old you know, an old animal that's being close to dying, that that's a tough one for me, just because I'm used to the longer living pets, but four years, we can deal with that, so I started looking more into them, and basically ended up placing an order from the Aresis, I think that's how it's pronounced, spider shop, new place that's popped up, it looks like what they're doing is they breed in overseas I'm not sure which if it's UK or somewhere in the in Europe there they have a breeding facility and then they import them into the United States and they basically have a footprint in the United States where they sell from which is pretty ingenious honestly because right now a lot of the people in the United States as it is the businesses here will import from breeders overseas but they're just they're buying from them it's not like they've created the, the Europeans have opened up a shop over here. It sounds like this is a shop that's specifically connected with this breeding facility. So it's like a footprint in the US, which is really kind of cool. I ordered some spiders from them, including two Linotheli species, Linotheli species Panama and Linotheli uh, phallics. Very excited about both of them. Now the Linotheli species Panama was about an inch and a half to an inch and three quarters, so already well started and a little bigger than I wanted. I had this thing. I like growing things from slings, especially a spider that may not live as long. I mean, if these guys are only live four years, I might have just you know cheated myself out of a, a big portion of that. But they had them. They I looked them up. They looked amazing. And then they had the phalics, which I had had my eye on. Megalithoides is the other one that I'm definitely planning on picking up. And it looks like Fearnot's got them, so it looks like I'll be making a Fearnot purchase pretty soon. But the, after looking at pictures of these guys and reading about them, I'm like, I need these spiders. So the common names, I I believe they're called tiger spiders. Again, I had to actually look this up before I did this podcast because I don't usually work with common names, but for folks out there that are not familiar with the scientific names, there we go. Tiger spiders, I guess what they're called. Funnel webs is what they're called. And it's because of the fact, and this is one of the other, one of the things that attracted me to them. Copious, copious amounts of webbing. Lots and lots of thick webbing with funnel tunnels that they create so that they can dart out and grab things. A lot of different openings and entrances. Picture a 3D picture, you know, a 3D switch cheese type arrangement of webbing. It's probably a terrible analogy, but I'm trying to think of something that would, you know, you picture all the holes going in nice and deep. And Honestly, I've seen pictures of them eating. One of the things you need to know about them very, very fast, very fast. And we're talking, you know, teleporter spiders. And the venom is something that has to be addressed. They are, they've been compared to on par with the Pesolitheria species. That is a species, I I don't want to get bit by any spider, quite frankly, but Pesolitheria is, you know, number one on my list of things I never want to get bitten by. And if it's up there with that, that means no joke. So what that means is a bite from these guys is not going to kill you. You will live. However, you may feel like you want to die for a little while and that's miserable. And I had people, again, there's people that will come on and do the, oh, I have a really good pain tolerance. It'll be no problem. The pain and the discomfort and the cramping and stuff that's described from a pokey bite would knock the most, the biggest tough guy or tough girl on his or her butt. So this isn't just like slamming your finger in a door. This is just deep penetrating pain that will not go away with cramping, stuff like that. So if their venom is like that, I would not mess with it. So right off the bat, these are not species to be trifled with. These are not species that might be particularly great for beginners. You probably, if you set them up correctly and they're in their forever home there shouldn't be much of a chance of you getting bitten if you're careful again it comes down to those rehousings this would be a spider that when you've got heavy webbing involved and they have multiple tunnels and you've got to get the spider out of pitcher picking trying to get that webbing out I've done this before with spiders that aren't that bad I've done it with the GBB where there's a bunch of webbing it's hiding and it's webbing I'm trying to get the spider out it's darting out from other areas I could picture rehousings being a bit traumatic. I could picture rehousings being incredibly stressful because you've got to somehow get the spider out of its webbing with the webbing sticking to your tools, sticking to your brush with multiple entrances that it can pop out of and possibly tag you. Not a fun experience. So again, not saying this to make them sound like horrible monsters. They're not. They're spiders. They're fast spiders. If you're used to working with fast tarantulas, they can move around. You're probably going to be, you know, in your comfort zone with these. But I do think it needs to be stated because people will come out and hear this and go, Ooh, these are beautiful. I'm going to get some. They can be a handful and it's not something you want to get bitten by. So the webbing is what kind of attracted me to them when I saw some videos of them and they had the, you know, that rich webbing. I love spiders at web. I know some people it's not their thing. Other people will be like, tell me spiders at web a lot. I love the webbing. I love when, there's all that rich white stuff in there that they're hiding amongst did they have all the you know billowy fluffy webbing especially when it's nice and clean and white not so much when it's been in there for a while and starts to yellow up a bit but it's especially when the spider comes out and you catch it on the webbing it just provides such a sharp contrast to the spider that makes it easier to take photos which is also awesome so Always loved spiders at web, so this definitely attracted me to them. So anyway, got my first order from Aresa's Spider Shop. It was pretty good overall. I mean, uh, communication was good. A little confusing. I went to order, use a coupon on the website and the coupon didn't work. So they just, I had to get a PayPal invoice for it. Um, be aware that shipping is, depending on where you are, is going to be pricey. I think a lot of the places that have been around for a while, a lot of the tarantula vendors try to set a flat rate for shipping. And this is how it works. It may be a flat rate of $45. So somebody local may be only paying $25 for shipping, but somebody, you know, over across the country may be paying $65 with shipping. The idea is they pick a rate that they can kind of, it balances out. So unfortunately, if you're closer, you're going to be paying a little bit more. If you're further away, you may be paying a little bit less, but that's just how it works to be able to keep these guys in business and offer affordable shipping to people. Because for example, last time I tried to send something to California, it was around 95 bucks. And that wasn't even for the full overnight. It was like the, it was the overnight, but not the, whatever the the main one is where it's there before 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And that's expensive. So keep in mind with If you order from these guys, please check your shipping quotes beforehand because it could be a bit of a sticker shop. Again, after they've been around for a while, this may change. I know a lot of places when they come out, they just can't, they're just starting out. They can't afford to eat you know, $45 in shipping, that'll kill them. So what ends up happening is you end up paying the full shipping price. After they've been around and shipping for a while, usually they work out some deals with FedEx, they get an account with FedEx, and the shipping prices come down. And again, I'm not saying this as a knock on this place, because I will tell you, for people that have some money, there is a huge selection of spiders over there. I was in, I've spent a couple days going through and making notes on all the ones that I was interested in. So it's a huge selection, some decent prices. So if you buy enough, it's just it'll defer the cost of shipping and it won't hurt as much. But I know what'll happen is I will do this. Eventually, I'll do the the video for it. I haven't put the video up yet, but I have the video shot where we did the unboxing and I'll review them. And what'll happen is somebody will see that video, go out and go to buy spiders and go, you gotta be kidding me. It's gonna be $75 for shipping. I'm not paying that. And then they get aggravated at me and I don't want them mad at me. So heads up, check the shipping cost first. If you find stuff from it, I would encourage you to make it worth your while, unless you're close by, they are in California. Unfortunately, I'm in the opposite coast in Connecticut, so shipping rates were kind of high. Uh, besides that, it was good overall. It shipped out, it showed up on time, it was packed well. The only hiccup I had, and this is a personal thing, when they're wrapped up in the little vials, usually what happens is you make the little cocoon of you know tissue or paper towels the other thing they use you make a little tunnel in the vial with it and the spider goes in it and then you take a piece of the same material whether it be paper towel or toilet tissue and you put it over the top of it then they put the top on the vial or on the dram you know the dram container and that piece serves two purposes number one it's extra padding for the tarantula on the trip so that it's not bouncing around inside that number two it's a barrier for when you pull that cap off because usually when you if you picture a dram vial most of us are right-handed, you're holding it with your left hand, you pull that little, you know, white cap off and then what you have there is usually a piece of, you know, material between you and the spider to keep the spider from bolting out. If that piece of material isn't there, now you have a spider and I've had this happen before in the past, which is why I'm a little tuned to it. You have a spider that immediately bolts out, it's off your hand, it's off whatever, you know, the tongs whatever you're using, which is not good. So that was the only thing when you actually see the video when I finally post it. I've been trying to hold it back because I purchased a lot lately and I don't just want to bombard people with unboxing videos. But when you see the video, I do comment on it. It's not a slam on them. It's one of those deals with people that, you know, I, I, I'm i assuming they're newer. I haven't heard of them until most more, more recently, but I'm assuming that they're just, you know, starting to get the feel of things and sometimes little things like that happen. So just something to keep in mind when more so for people that order from them. Keep in mind that that could be a possibility and use extra care when you're pulling the tops off that because you definitely don't want to mess around and have one of these guys on you, whatever it may be. It could be just something, you know, a beginner species, which obviously isn't as big of a deal. But if you're buying something a little larger, a little faster with a little more potent venom, you don't want that situation. And again, it might have just been my order. I don't know. It could be that might not be normally how they pack. They could have had somebody new packing. Not a slam. I will be ordering from them again. They've definitely got more stuff coming in. They have, uh, what brought me to them is they had a Samapeas species that I was really interested in getting. And unfortunately, as I had it in my cart and was looking around for other stuff to get, it sold out. So I will be back. Definitely, you know, I encourage people to try out. Let me know how it goes. If you do try them out, I was definitely pleased with my purchase and the whole experience overall. I will be ordering from again. I got some other spiders from them that I will debut when I actually do the video. But for this one, we're talking about Linotheli species. So definitely thumbs up to... Aresis spider shop, give them a try. Let me know how it goes. Again, only just be aware of that shipping and be aware that when you open those vials, you could have a spider right there waiting for you. But besides that, they were definitely healthy. They ate well. And let's get into what I did as far as setting them up. So uh, with the Linotheli species, one thing I had to keep in mind was the fact that they are very heavy webbers and they do require some moisture. Everything I read said that they do need that moisture in there. A lot of people, what they will do is they will spray down the webbing which obviously webbing is waterproof, so you'll have that moisture will stay on there for a while, so if they need to come out and get a drink. I just worried about the fact that, again, webbing's waterproof, so if I put the substrate down at the bottom and keep it moist, and then they go and web up that whole container, it's going to be very difficult and potentially dangerous to try to get water down to that substrate to maintain moisture. So what I did is I used one of those Large food storage containers that I use for a lot of my arboreal and fossorial juveniles. They're about four point seven. Let's we'll call it five quarts. We'll round it off. And they're about seven and a half by seven and a half inches around or across and about nine inches high. So it was something that would give me enough depth that when the spider started building its webbing, it would have you know plenty of room to create that webbing as it went up, and it would keep me out of danger when I hopefully opened up the container. I wouldn't be ripping the top off the webbing and disturbing the spider. We'll see how that goes. But I ended up putting the Linotheli species Panama in that one. Now, when we went to rehouse, you'll see in the rehousing video, I couldn't get either of these guys to come out of the vials. Unfortunately, we don't have great footage of them yet because when I took the top off, and now remember, I have this in my hand I take the top off and there's a spider right there in my hand which would kind of freak me out a bit because you know again I've had ones when it's warm and it was warm in that tarantula room that day that will bolt out when they do that so I didn't want to play around and try to get the tissue out and potentially have a very fast spider bolting around the room so we just took the container and set it in but as for the setup what I did with that is I had some branches some wood that I had left over from another setup I had I believe it was like dried driftwood or something and we kind of glued that together to make a little structure that allowed it a little space in between I put some silk leaves in there, I put some fake foliage in there, I put some little sticks in there, I had the willow branches that I had from one of my other setups, we put some of those in there. So what we want to do in theory is give them a spot to A, start off hiding behind or beneath, and then uh, some things to anchor to when they create their webbing. So what will happen is they'll go underneath and this is what it did. It came out of the little dram vial. It hid underneath this little structure, started digging a little bit. This is something that I, when doing my research, found out that when they're younger and even older, some of them will do some burrowing. They'll create a burrow in the ground and they'll web up the hole inside of the burrow and then keep the webbing going up and creating that funnel web above the surface. So they will do a little bit of burrowing, which was good to note because mine definitely did some digging up and used some of that dirt to create some, here we go, the dirt curtains, the tarantula term, around that fake foliage I had in there, and kind of settled in, and so far, it's been eh, about three weeks, I think, since I got it, maybe a month, and it's definitely done a lot of webbing around the bottom, it was the next, I left the spider in there, we left the spider in there, I came back the next day to do the feeding open it up and it had already begun the web and do some digging. Now I've seen the spider once. It is huge. I was absolutely impressed. Gorgeous looking animal. It, I basically had been feeding them red runners and I dropped a red runner in and I was hoping to see their legendary hunting because these guys are known to hit like trucks when they hunt. That was another thing that attracted me to them. And unfortunately the red runner ran directly into the burrow. You could hear the scramble and that was it. But when I came up later on that night, it had come out of the burrow to eat and it was sitting right out in the open. So I got to finally see it it. Like a doofus didn't take any pictures though, so we got to hope I catch it out again so I can get some footage of it because I really would like to include that at the end of this unboxing video because right now we have an unboxing video with the two highlights of the video that I really wanted to show off. You don't see it all. As far as substrate, I used one of my my own mix of Cocoa fiber, I had some cocoa fiber, some peat, which I'm starting to shy away from because of the environmental aspect of it. A lot, we've read a lot more about it and I think other companies are starting to shy away from it. So I'm trying other things, but I did have, I do have a bag of it I got to use up. So peat, cocoa fiber, mixed in some vermiculite because I want this substrate to not only absorb water really easily, but kind of hold it. Because one of the things, again, that I worried about is the fact that when it starts webbing, it's going to be difficult for me to get water in there and down to the substrate to keep the substrate moist without disturbing the spider so what I did in these containers are about nine inches tall at about the two and a half inch three inch mark I put holes on two sides of it drilled holes in it that would allow me I have this little water bottle with a nozzle little pointy nozzle I can hopefully take that nozzle put it right in the hole underneath the webbing and soak down the substrate without having to go through the webbing and without without having to disturb the spider so hopefully this works now obviously if it webs up over that hole over the holes on both sides, it's not going to work as well, but it looked good on paper and looking at how it's webbing now, it's kind of a bowl shaped webbing that seems to allow me access through those holes to the substrate. So hopefully that works out because I get spraying down For you know, and during the summer when it's more humid, this probably won't be as much of an issue. But during the colder months where it kind of dries out here because of the heat, just spraying down that webbing is only going to raise the you know moisture level in that enclosure for a short period of time before it eventually and inevitably evaporates. So I want to make sure the substrate on the bottom is moist at all times. So right now, it's been again about three weeks, I think it's right around the three week mark. It's settled in nicely, it's eaten three times. Last time I caught it out, the abdomen was looking quite beefy and bulbous. So hopefully we get a molt soon and hopefully it does some more webbing and I actually catch it out because I really want to see these guys on. I've seen the hunting videos and the feeding videos of them. They're amazing. So obviously I will keep people updated on that one. That's the Linotheli species Panama. I would guess closer to the 1.75 inch mark, one and three quarter inch mark, because it was a very, when I caught it out, it was big. It was kind of scrunched up a little bit, but it looks very leggy. So it might even be larger than that. So, so far, so good with that one. With the phallix, I have to admit, I was freaking out a little bit when I got it because it was a it was supposed to be, I believe, a quarter inch to a half inch. So I figured, worst case scenario, if it's a quarter inch, I'd go out and buy the uh, the flightless fruit flies, which I loathe. Or I was trying to find out if they scavenge fed. I assumed they would. So, anyway, I set that one up in a larger dram vial, one of the like three inch tall ones by about an inch and a half across in diameter. Again, used the moist substrate with a little vermiculite down the bottom, put in about eh, probably three quarters of an inch or so of substrate, maybe an inch. And then I found a little plastic leaf, put that in there for coverage, and I found some dried twigs from outside that I cleaned off and baked a little bit to try to make sure to kill anything that was on them. And I broke those up and made kind of like little structures that it could web to. Now, when I went to rehouse the spider, it came in one of those little pointy vials you get, the uh, centrifuge vials. And they have the little pop tops. And it was all the way down the bottom on the little moist tissue, whatever material they use down there to keep it you know, nice and moist. So what I did was I took the top off, twisted it off and just took the vial and planted it right in the bottom. It was no point in trying to get that spider out. It was so small that if it bolted, I was afraid I would lose it. So once again, we didn't get a lot of great pictures of it for the video, but who cares? The idea is to get the spider safely in its home and let it settle in. So we jammed that little bugger down the bottom into the dirt, planted it in there. It stayed in there the whole night. The next day I came in and and what it had done is it had gone down the side of the vial and it dug a little bit. It dug a little hole for itself. It had webbed up a little bit. It was quite small, probably just shy of a half inch, but very, very leggy. So if you picture a half inch spider, normally, you know, when you're looking at tarantulas, they're not as leggy. These guys were very leggy. So the body was very tiny. So a very small spider. So I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to have to go out. And buy some of those darn fruit flies for it. But I figured, what the heck, let's try scavenge. Let's see if it'll scavenge feed. Because the majority of things I've raised will scavenge feed. So I carefully, two nights after I got it, went in, pre-killed a little red runner roach. And dropped it right at the head of its webbing. And it was like on a Saturday, I think. And I went down, Billy and I were watching a movie or something. I went back up to check on it and it had molted. It was literally like an hour later. So I felt like a doofus. It didn't look that big. It didn't look that fat. So I honestly did not know it was in pre-molt. Obviously when it had been done the webbing, it was getting ready to molt. So I was like, oops. So we went in there. We carefully plucked that roach out to make sure not to disturb it. Let it harden up. And it definitely put on some decent size. It's quite leggy now. Probably close. I mean, I, I would say before it was probably less than half an inch. Right now it's between a half an inch and three quarters of an inch or so it's kind of hard because they don't stretch out all the way so yesterday I came in I pre-killed unfortunately I don't have any really small red runner roaches left so I pre-killed another one cut it in half fed half to another spider and took half of it and dropped it right at the head of its web went over put the top on the roach uh, the container came back to check on it it had gone up and was eating so I was so excited about that they're obviously ravenous little boogers they will scavenge feed so that is something great to know because I know when folks get these guys and they're super tiny they're like what am I going to find to feed it and I definitely didn't want to tell everybody that scavenge feed if they won't so did scavenge feed and it looks like I put a big enough chunk in there that it probably fattened up enough that it may not eat again we'll see it's definitely quite plump I actually checked on it before I started this podcast to see what it was doing and it completely devoured the piece of roach and its booty was huge so that one is doing well however I need to rewind a bit about my setup and call myself out for something that didn't work that well when trying to figure out things to put in there as far as structures for it to web to I decided the dry sticks would work great forgot what experience has taught me about using dry sticks that I found around the house in moist environments and after I put those in there it had molted a couple days later I checked on it and there was a green mold forming on those those sticks they had unfortunately become moist because of the moisture you know air and the moisture in the substrate inside the enclosure and there was a green mold on it I don't like the look of the green mold at all so I had to go in with tweezers and carefully very carefully pluck all of those sticks out now the spider has already created some webbing around that leaf so I think it has enough of a base there to have started its webbing and I got a funny feeling as it puts size on it's just going to use the sides of the enclosure for the webbing so it'll spiral right up there because I got a funny feeling this thing's going to molt next time and it might even be a little too big for this container we'll see how it goes so I don't think it'll be a big issue as far as not having anchors for the webbing but it was a little freaky when I opened it up and I'm like ooh, that's not good at all and see that green fungi growing on it we don't want to play with that so I had to take those out so Unfortunately, I should know better. I've done this before. Everybody in the past has grabbed something from outside and shoved it in the tank, cleaned it off. And then you realize the big thing is, like the reason we use cork bark is it doesn't mold. Some of the other stuff will mold and rot. And it wasn't like a bioactive enclosure. There weren't, you know cleaner insects in there to take care of it so not a good situation so that stuff is out I'll have to keep an eye out if anybody knows anything where you can get some branches because I've been struggling to find you know I'm, I'm starting to set up enclosures for mantids and I'm struggling to find good branches and stuff that I can keep in there that won't mold and mildew so if anybody has an outlet place we can find those I've been looking at uh, any herb I, you know I hopped on Amazon to see if there's anything there just let me know I definitely take any advice you got so as far as first impressions I'm enamored with them. Like I can, sometimes I pick up new things and it's like, ah, eh, these are cool, but this is going to be a one and done. I don't think these are going to be a one and done. I think I'm going to expand my collection a little bit to include, again, more species of Linotheli. And these would be something that I would definitely want some females of. And I could picture some really nice enclosures, maybe some Exoterras or one of those, you know, any typical 7 x 7 by 12 inch one might be good. I might even go a little bit bigger and see what they do with the webbing because I really excited about the webbing part of it they're just starting to web up now I can picture this in a couple months those things being completely filled with web and I just honestly can't wait for it I am hoping to catch some footage of them feeding that's going to be a big one for me because that's one of the things that attracted me to them not just the appearance again they are big huge gorgeous spiders some of them have ridiculously beautiful colors I know when I first saw the megathaloides, and now that I think of it, I think I completely mispronounced that earlier, so hopefully anybody that listened to me mispronounced it earlier still on the podcast to hear me correct myself, but the Lineatheli megathaloides uh, with those purple legs it's just stunning I was when I immediately that was the first one I saw that I thought was a tarantula had it in my cart and then I went to do some research on it I'm like wait a minute this isn't even a tarantula and I took it out of the cart and didn't get it and I'm kicking myself for it now but I'll definitely be on the hunt for one of those uh, they're just amazing looking animals and ones that I could picture in some just really nice enclosures With all that thick webbing and the the, it's just going to be amazing. So really excited, as you can probably tell, about getting these guys, growing them up. Obviously new to it. So for folks out there that have kept these before, I know my buddy Luis has them. And that's kind of what finally caused me to pull the trigger as we were talking during our podcast. And I think they came up and I was like, that's right. I really need to get some of these. And just... It feel free to chime in when I post this up on Facebook with your experiences with pictures because I'm right now I'm in that mode where I'm going around reading everything I can on them taking copious notes making sure that I have everything on point but you know I would love to hear from people that keep them personally it's one thing to go out and just read somebody's account of it or see an older YouTube video on it it's another thing to hear from folks who are like yeah I got one right now and here's what it's doing so what are your experiences with them also the size what do you guys see for the size now I've been told that the Linotheli phallus gets to be around, the females can be around four inches, males around three and a half or so. So that's a really good size spider. I've heard that the Linotheli species Panama can get up to five inches, but that sounded a little bit, a little bit unbelievable, but I don't know. So if anybody has kept these and grown them up, please let me know. I'd love to know what I'm in for. Obviously, if it's a five inch spider, that's going to factor into what size enclosure I put in. I would probably do it in something much larger to give it much more room. But what have you guys seen as far as growth rates? What have you seen as far as max sizes? How are you keeping them? How are you keeping up the moisture? I'd love to hear from folks who have kept them because I know there are folks out there that do keep these guys because every once in a while somebody goes, hey, when are you going to get a Linotheli species? And I'm like, eh, at some point, well, here we are. We finally got one. So super stoked. Can't wait to raise these guys up. Can't wait to get some more. And for folks looking for spiders, again, go over to Orisa Spider Shop and just check out the just vast number of species they have and some really strange... Like, they have stuff over there that I had to look up that I've never even heard of before, which is, you know, fairly rare. I'm pretty... You know, I'm constantly shopping, so I'm usually seeing just about everything, but they had some really cool things over there. So definitely check it out. Just, again, be aware, depending on where you are, they are in California. Shipping could be a little high. Make sure you factor that in, but you could be getting some awesome spiders. They also seem to run sales that will kind of... They will the sale itself will knock off enough money that it brings the shipping price down. So that's basically what I did. So it didn't hurt, it didn't hurt at all. It was like, all right, this is about what I planned on spending anyway. So it worked great. So just keep an eye on that, sign up. They have little deals, little coupons off and everything. And let me know if you ordered from them already and how the experience was. Because again, I with the whenever I do a review and I hate to call them reviews because it's more like, all right, I bought from them, This is my experience. And obviously if I order from somebody and they look down they see the email address and see my name, A lot of people are going to recognize that not saying that I'm super famous. I don't want that taken in the wrong context, but a lot, I think many people are familiar with me. So there's always going to be that idea that if I'm ordering something from it, hopefully they're not going to screw up because they know I'm probably going to do an unboxing or something. So I don't know how realistic my experiences are sometimes because there's been situations where I've ordered from places, had an amazing experience, I got freebies, they shipped, they called, and then other people have ordered and didn't get nearly the customer service I did. And that's pretty obvious what's going on there. So I always take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm not, that's one of the reasons I hate putting up reviews because I will put up a review, I will have a great experience, I will try to explain, hey, this is the experience I had. But then other people will come on and go, I had a terrible experience. But I do like going out and ordering from places. I do like trying new places out. So at least, you you know, their shipping, their communication is on point. Their shipping was great. The animals were healthy. All the good things we need. And I try to point out anything that might trip somebody up. Not that I'm trying to bash anybody. It's not about that. It's making sure people are aware because I've had situations where... It, you know, something didn't bother me, like the shipping was high, it didn't bother me, but then a bunch of people would come on and go, hey man, you didn't mention the fact that the shipping was so expensive. This is way more than everybody else. So we throw those things out there just so people are informed. I do think if you check out their stock, you'll be incredibly impressed. I do think it's, if I'm not mistaken, again, I think it's a relatively new company. So they're probably, there's growing pains. I've worked with other places before that were just getting into the hobby. I ordered from them, they were fantastic. They had little hiccups because they're just getting the hang of the whole shipping process. It's a learning curve for anybody. I can't even imagine. It's It's got to be a huge learning curve to go from packing up. Maybe you're packing up a couple mature males and stuff and sending them off to sending that many spiders off. I totally get it, which is why I like to work with these people and just kind of say, all right, this kind of worked, this didn't. And I can think of one particular vendor I work with that we had a hiccup once with what they packed it in. I politely said, hey, probably not the way to go. They never did it again. They're great now. There's somebody I've ordered from, I think, five or six times, never had a, another issue. So it's the only reason I put that stuff out there is I hate when people get the, you know, the boxes of spiders and sometimes they're free spiders and they're like, these guys are amazing. Go out and order. And really, you can't look at that's not a realistic experience. What I need to start doing is like what I used to do in the old days is I had another email address that had nothing to do with Tom's Big Spiders. And I would order using that and at least the email address wouldn't tip them off. But then I just realized they're probably looking down at the name going Tom Moran. Hmm, that sounds familiar. So I don't know. It would be nice if I could do it kind of incognito to get an actual real view of what it's like. But the best I can do is just kind of place random orders and, you know, see what happens. So great experience overall. That was probably a long roundabout explanation for it. But I do want people to understand I do take the review process very, very seriously Because twice in my quote-unquote career doing this Tom's Big Spiders stuff, I gave glowing reviews to people who then went and screwed a bunch of people over. And it bothered me. It bothered me a lot. I know people specifically ordered from them because I said they were good people and they weren't. So that always bothers me. So, so far, love it. My best, you know, the, the best props I can give to them is that I'm still watching their website and I will be ordering again. If it was a bad experience, I wouldn't order again. That's it. So overall, those are things to look for. Definitely, if you order from them, let me know how it goes. If you order from them already, let me know how it goes. I know I'm not super active on Facebook and I think that probably dissuades some people. From posting comments, but please recognize that I do see the comments, and also that other people that are following the podcast see the comics, so I like the dialogue that goes sometimes the best stuff that comes out of these podcasts isn 't what I sat there and said for forty five minutes it 's the discussions that go after the fact where people debate it or talk about it or share their experiences. So me saying I had a good experience awesome that 's great, but i 'm one person, and obviously you know in many instances i 'm going to get really good treatment because they know i 'm going to make a video and talk about it other people coming on and saying they had great experiences, that's almost more powerful. That's almost more useful as far as I'm concerned. Who cares what the YouTuber, podcaster, article writer does? Let's see what happens when people that don't have a recognizable name or website or an outlet to expose bad situations order. Let's look at those. So please, if you order from, please you know, leave a comment. Let us know how it goes. If you order from in the future, again, come on because people will go back through these and read them. That's valuable information. I think some of the best stuff comes out of the comments for the podcast and even my YouTube videos. And it just bolsters whatever I have here and makes it more valuable so that will do it for this one I had another topic I was going to cover Adam I'm so sorry buddy I'll get it next week it was my whole intent but I kind of got into the Linotheli things. but we're going to talk a bit about imposter syndrome and the fact that a lot of us to get into the hobby start doubting ourselves and I think that can be good in a way because it means we're conscientious we're always trying to do better but I think it can eat you alive and cause you to make mistakes that can actually hurt your spiders and harm the spiders so we'll talk a little bit about that next week as for this one, everybody, all the mothers out there, that sounds terrible, but all you mothers out there, have a, an amazing Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you all. I've got to go down. I have a very understanding wife that doesn't mind me slipping away for an hour to do a podcast on Mother's Day, but we're going to go down and have ourselves a good time and enjoy this beautiful weather. So happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me sitting in Connecticut in the big, hot transfer room doing podcasts. I'm done. Guys, have a great one. Be kind to each other, and we'll catch you all next time.